Well, sure, it's a terrible, it's another terrible day here in Salford Town, in Salford Land. It's raining now, it was raining earlier, and it'll rain a bit later on as well, so it will. How are you doing? How's your Wednesday been? Do tell me through the website, richieallen.co.uk. I mean it when I say it. I'd like to hear from you. Wednesday's programme, there's much to cover. Let's begin to cover it then, right now. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. Yes, and we might even take one or two phone calls a bit later on from you. Wouldn't that be cool? I think it'd be very cool indeed. I'll tell you why now in a moment. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. I was due to be speaking today to Jenny, Nurse Jenny. I know her affectionately as Nurse Jenny. Jenny Lowe's in Portugal, but Jenny's not well. She's cried off until next week. That's fine. These things happen. So uh, sadly, she won't be with us today, but uh, will be with us next week sometime. In the meantime, you're stuck with me. I've plenty to say. Most of it is probably abject nonsense, but then what would be new? Talk back to me via the website. I do have quite a few things to share with you. At the end of that, there might be some time, there should be some time for me to take one or two phone calls, and then I'll make a funny deal with you. I'll make a funny deal with you. So long as you phone me, and as long as you've got something interesting to tell me, We'll stay on till 7 o'clock, but we probably will anyway, so it doesn't matter. I'll give you the contact details in a few minutes. You should have them in any case. I've said them so many times before. So, just to repeat, lots to talk about, lots to hear, but uh, a bit later on, one or two Skypes, one or two phone calls. I suppose the smart thing to do would be to give you the contact details right now. Have you got a pen? Tough shit, Paddy. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. 0161818 Don't talk to me now. Don't call me now. Don't even think about it. Put your phone down. A bit later. Chat with Richie is the Skype handle. All one word. Chat with Richie. That's the one. Nearly three minutes past the year already. November the 2nd, today is 2022. Remember Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister? Remember. Remember he was asked, was he going to attend COP27 in Sharm al-Sheikh, which is in Egypt, remember? Do you remember, I asked you? You do. I won't be going, he said, because there are more important things to do. Those were his words. Wow. What could be more important than saving the planet from man-made climate change? Anywho, he said, there's lots going on here. I've got the cost of living crisis. I've got the prospects of old people freezing to death in their homes this winter because they can't afford to put the gas central heating on. I've got the budget to do. It's so important. I've got to stay here. I cannot go to Egypt. Well, well. Good afternoon. The Prime Minister has performed a major U-turn today, confirming that he will now be going to the COP27 climate summit in Egypt. What? That's despite saying that he wasn't going to. Ah, he said he was not going to go, but then he said he would be going. Surprise, Expected hits you between the eyes, yeah. Well, that's the surprise, you see. Right. Of course, he was always going to Sharm al-Sheikh, El-Sheikh, al-Sheikh, whoever the bloody hell you pronounce it. Who do you think made the call to Rishi? Was it Bill Gates, I wonder? 
My tongue is in cheek here. Was it Gates? Gates probably rang him. Get on that plane, you little squaw. <laughs> you little squaw. Gates is probably so ignorant he can't differentiate between Indians from India and Native Americans, a.k.a. Indians. So he'd probably call him a squaw. Get on the plane, you dirty little squaw, and do what you're told. Get on the plane, boy. So he is going. I couldn't find a decent derogatory term for, for, for Indians from India to throw in there. But it works better, Gates not knowing the difference between a slur against Native Americans and Indians. We, we hear you, Baldy, move on. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he's going then. Sky News political correspondent John Craig. Chief political correspondent John Craig uh, joins us. So the first U-turn is on COP27, but it looks like there are plenty more perhaps coming. Lots more U-turns. Up to 20, potentially, yes. <laughs> 20. Yes. Uh, the uh, uh, announcement that he will, after all, uh, go to COP27 was wholly expected. He tweeted the U-turn announcement at 10 o'clock this morning and then confirmed it in Prime Minister's questions at noon. And then, immediately afterwards, we had from the number 10 team uh, the disclosure that uh, all his campaign pledges uh, made during the leadership campaign when he was up against Liz Trump could be ditched. A bonfire <laughs> of his pledges. Well, this is... Uh... The bonfire of the pledges. All of the things that Rishi Sunak said he would do back in June when campaigning to be the leader of the party and the, the Prime Minister, they're all going to be ditched. Uh, I don't get too many opportunities, like, you know... Do you? Yes, these guys are not running things. When will it dawn on people? They're not running things. They're doing what they're told. It made me laugh today because last night Boris Johnson gave an interview to, what's his name? Mark, 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 Mark. He's got a show on Sky at five o'clock. He's a weird looking guy. It'll come to me in a moment. Johnson gave an exclusive interview last night to a guy called Mark who works for Sky. And in that interview, Johnson confirmed that he himself would be attending COP27 and he was going at the invitation of the Egyptians themselves. And today, the media is saying that, well, Sunak has changed his mind because you can't have Boris Johnson upstaging him in Egypt. That's bullshit. Sunak was told by people far more powerful than he. Listen, Rishi, it's all about the climate crisis now. You understand, you little squaw? So get on the plane. And he's getting on the plane. He's getting on the plane. He didn't get on the plane. He's getting on the plane. A few minutes later on, I had belly laughs because I was scrolling back. I was listening to some news shows. I really had belly laughs and I'm a bit of a freak, really. I laugh at things that most people don't find funny. But this made me laugh my big bum off, my ass off. Um, I'm going to play you this and you, you tell me if you can guess what I laughed at. So another Sky News presenter got some reaction to the news that Rishi Sunak did a U-turn and would be attending the COP27 conference. What did I laugh at now? Have a listen. Well, let's get more now on that decision. Let's talk to Nigel Topping, the UK's high-level climate action champion. I, I assume you're thrilled about this, Nigel. Hi, Joe. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great news. I think, I mean, it's... Well, did you get it or did you miss it? What caused me to fall on the floor today, rolling around, kicking my arms and legs up in the air while the dogs licked the face off of me. 
Did you hear that? Let's talk to Nigel Topping, the UK's high-level climate action champion. What? The UK's high-level climate action champion. What? The UK's high-level climate action champion. The UK's high-level climate action champion. What kind of fuckery is this? I don't know. I don't know what kind of fuckery it is, but it made me laugh. It made me laugh. The UK's high-level climate action champion. High-level climate action champion. They really are laughing in our faces, aren't they? Let's talk to Nigel Topping, the UK's high-level climate action champion. He's the champion of climate action, and he's at a very high level. Nigel Topping. What did he say? Well, let's get more now on that decision. Let's talk to Nigel Topping, the UK's high-level climate action champion. Wow. I, I assume you're thrilled about this, Nigel. Delighted. Hi, Joe. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great news. I think I mean it's good for UK soft power in the world, but I think it's also great for the the actual international process. You know, the UK still holds the presidency of the conference. I'll hand it over to Egypt on the first day. So it's great that the Prime Minister's decided to go. What do you think is behind his change of heart? Billy Gates rang him. Well, I think that um it's a big voter issue. Um and, No, it's not. And it's a Big opportunity for the Prime Minister to meet many of the world leaders, as you've been... It's a piss up. ...saying, and to um, project British leadership. You know, the UK's done a great job as presidency with Alok Sharma, um, and the UK's got a great record on actually putting in place the actions to um, decouple economic growth from, uh, from, from carbon emissions. So I think... Decouple economic growth from carbon emissions. It's actually impossible. It's an economic wrecking plan economy wrecking plan but we're going to leave that there but um go on just one more time please the uk's high level climate action champion high level climate action champion fantastic ah oh, there's so many questions there anywho hey speaking of winters and darknesses and cold did you hear today did you hear yesterday that uk government ministers have begun war gaming plans to deal with power blackouts this winter you see, The Guardian has seen documents marked official sensitive. Somebody's a proper agent, like. If The Guardian can get a hold of these things, where's security at Whitehall? Where's security at the House of Commons? Anyway, The Guardian has seen these documents, and these documents suggest that if there is a national power outage in the winter, and it's probable, according to some people, um, food, water supplies and communications could be severely disrupted, and we'd be faked. So the Guardian says that officials are stress-testing what they call Programme Yarrow. Unpack that if you can. Uh, it's a secret plan to cope with blackouts, which uh, includes prioritising getting food, water and shelter to the young and the old. Well, they've had a horrible time. Let's look after the young and the old, get them food, water and shelter if the power goes off, and look after those with caring responsibilities. So this is a... Uh, Secret documents. So the Met Office, as you probably know by now, did warn of an increased chance of blackouts uh, this year. No, 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 it didn't. No, it didn't. The Met Office warned that we might have a much colder winter than usual. And if we did, this would put extra pressure on gas and electricity supplies. Now, Programme Yarrow is preparing for a situation even more severe than what was outlined by the National Grid last month. Last month, the National Grid said we might have three-hour rolling blackouts in January. But this programme, Yarrow, seen by The Guardian, 
well, it, it, it looks like it could be a lot worse than that. Now, the plans envisage that 60% of electricity demand will be met between day two and day seven when households and businesses will be given intermittent access to ration supply. So households and businesses will be given a, a day's notice of a planned outage. So you'll be given 24 hours notice. And the plans could be published up to a week ahead on a rolling basis. Wouldn't that be very decent of them now? So there you are now in Salford. Listen now, next Wednesday, all right, the 16th of January, you won't have power between 4 o'clock and 8 o'clock, okay? So get your torches in, get your candles in and all of that and get your cold food in, your cold sandwiches and what have you, right? So it's a rota plan they're looking at. Um, Once a day for three hours, although it could be four hours, the plans say it might be four hours because it could take up to an hour to reconnect after that. So you're three hours with no power and then an extra hour to reconnect. And this one made me laugh. It said that under the worst case scenario, program Yarrow, the war gaming thing, uh, under the worst case scenario, in the worst case scenario, only analog FM radios would work. Only analog FM radios would work with just BBC Radio 2 and BBC Radio 4 broadcasting. Isn't that really interesting? So in in these plans, you'll only have BBC Radio 2 and BBC Radio 4 on your little battery-powered transistor. Or your Sony Walkman, which also picks up the radio. Amazing. A government source told The Guardian, we need to think about this. Uh, we, We need to think about how we can help people in advance. The fact they're talking about it now means there is a real concern that it could happen. And it's over to you. Let me know through the comment live thing on the website. Do you think that's coming this winter? Or is this just more fear porn to unsettle people? Because unsettled people who are stressing and worrying about things, well, they get sick more easily, don't they? I mean, this is a fact, isn't it? A fact of life. Anyone will tell you that. Your GP will tell you. When you're worried, when you're stressed, you're wide open to becoming ill. And talk of cost of living crisis, food supplies running short in supermarkets, food supplies becoming, I don't know, prohibitively expensive, blackouts in the winter, lockdowns, all of that stuff, no hospital beds, all of that stuff stresses people and it leaves them wide open. illness. What do you think? Is it just fear porn to, you know, to destabilise more people emotionally? Or do you expect in January and February of next year we will have blackouts in this country? Please tell me. Speaking of misery, a comedian on television this morning suggested that high street Christmas lights should be axed. This is strange, this. And it sounds like a nothing story or some throwaway and finally peace. But I think there's a bit more going on here. This notion that perfectly fine people, and fine might mean that you are healthy, or fine might mean that you are economically stable, that you're not in any danger of falling off the cliff edge just yet. This notion that you've got to be a bit guilty for being healthy and being a bit guilty for having done well. She says, does this comedian called Ava Vidal, new to me, this woman, that the Oxford Street Christmas lights, which would be switched on this evening, I think, she says they're an insult to people who are struggling to pay their energy bills. Do you want to have a listen to this? It's very brief. I don't know if you want to listen to it, but I'm going to subject you to it anyway. Uh, she was on Good Morning Britain this morning. This country, I don't know, there's some kind of apathy going on, some kind of cognitive dissonance. 
So I'm kind of not appreciating the situation that we're all in. And uh, no, I don't think while people are struggling to put electricity into their homes, why we should have Christmas lights this year. I think we need to acknowledge stuff. Mm. It's just like we're just sleepwalking through life. It's like COVID happened, we just decided it's not happening anymore. Mm -hmm. Cost of living crisis, we just decided it's not happening anymore. It's, it's like we need to wake up, basically. Do you feel like it's an insult to people who can't afford to switch their own appliances 100%. on 100%. to have such a mega display of lights? Yeah, Is definitely. Because that... we're just acting like we're just not noticing what's going on. This country is very good at that. I think, I think people have noticed what's going on. I think people are well aware of the fact that they can't afford their regular weekly shop. I think people are well aware of that. We, and this is true, my better half and I, we cannot afford a regular weekly shop because things have gone up by 40%. So there are things we're not having. Now, admittedly, there are things that you can do without, right? I'll be the first to say that. We're not going short of anything. But there are people in a worse situation than, than, than I am. They're pretty acutely aware that things are screwed up. And I don't think you need to, um, you know, decide to not to put on the Christmas lights up and down the country in, uh, as some act of solidarity with people who are crapping themselves at the thoughts of heating their homes uh, this winter. And there's this thing, and I'm not going to put this very well, because I don't write things down. I do this on the hoof every day. Maybe I should write things down. But there's this creeping thing coming in where the untouched by some situation, so it could be financial situation, it could be a health situation, as I've said, are expected to make concessions for those who are affected by a situation. Like, it's not enough to feel sorry for people. It's not enough to put stuff into the, into the food bank, which there, there's a food bank at the end of the checkouts in the supermarket I go to. And every time I go to the supermarket, I didn't do it last night now. I went to the supermarket last night, I didn't do it. But I do it most times. And I'm not looking for any praise for this. I'll get a few bags of pasta and a couple of jars of sauce and I'll put them in there. Right. And I think that's not much to ask, you, you know, for most people. So you do a little bit of that. But that's not good enough. It's not good enough to be em to be empathetic with people because I lived in poverty enough times in my adult life, let alone my, my child life. It's not enough to say, Jesus, that's terrible. I'll do a little bit where I can. No, no, you've got to suffer, too. You can't be happy. That's weird. And that's come in more so. Well, it might have existed before COVID, but during COVID, this notion has come in. Sacrifice for, for, for others, for people you've never met and never will meet. Turn off all the Christmas lights because it's terrible for the people who can't heat their homes. Well, what about the people who can heat their homes? What about them? No, no, they don't matter. Am I being selfish? 19 minutes past the hour. Am I being an absolute prick? Tell me, richieallen.co.uk comment live. Am I going to do this or am I going to do that or am I going to take a break? I'm going to take a musical break and then when I come back, we're going to talk about some other things. I had a lovely email and I didn't reply to it. And the lady must have thought, what a bastard. But I didn't reply to it because I wanted to surprise her. Deb's got in touch. She says, Richie, she says, I wonder if you could please give a shout out for my lovely partner, Tom, on his birthday, which is Wednesday 
November 2nd. Tom is an avid listener of yours and he almost went into decline whilst you were off air. We've had a difficult few years, Richie, almost becoming homeless, but he has stayed strong and finally we have some land and he's working like a trooper to get polytunnels up and food growing for us and for the local community. I'm so, so proud of Tom Ritchie and I love him very much. It would make his day if you would wish him a happy birthday and maybe even play him a bit of cheese. Billy Ocean, when the going gets tough, is one of his favourites, uh, says Debs, um, to dance around the caravan too. She says, thanks so much, Richie. Keep up the amazing work, she says. And then she says, you are very loved. Debs, I needed that this week. You wouldn't believe it. Thank you. Hey, listen, Tom, happy birthday. Keep those polytunnels going, pal. This is Billy Ocean. When the, when the going gets tough on the Richie Allen Show. And the time is now 21 minutes past five. It's great to be with you. It always is, believe me. Happy birthday, Polly Tunnel Tom from Debs. Thanks, Debs. 24 minutes past the hour. You're Richie Allen Show back with a really interesting story out of Listowel in County Kerry, courtesy of the genius that is Jean Ann Crowley, back in 30 seconds. Cold, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases. We all get them. Never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack. Now more than ever, it's essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to match maximize the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code RICHIEALLEN365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Jean Amazon touched today. She said, did you see this out of Listowel in County Kerry? Uh, Kerry, I didn't. Really interesting story. Last weekend, Father Sheehy, a retired priest, um, looks like a lovely fella too. Father Sean Sheehy uh, is retired, but he came back. He made a comeback to the pulpit. Why? Well, Father Declan O'Connor, the parish priest, was away. And Father Sheehy took to, uh, to say Mass. And while he was saying Mass, he had a few things to say about sin in the sermon. You know, after they read the Gospel, whichever you know, whichever gospel reading happens to be on any particular Sunday. So he read the, the, the Bible, read the gospel, and then he gave a sermon. And this has caused murders, on particularly on the Irish media or in the Irish media. He called for people during his sermon to turn back to God. He said that sex between two men or two women is a sin, and he described some approaches to transgenderism as, quote, lunatic, unquote. Okay? He said abortion. And the promotion of it is sinful too. He said that repentance would save people from hell. He said, I don't know if the audio is any good. Let's try and play the audio. If the audio is shite or shiite, I will tell you or I will read what he said. Jesus, I I muted my own mic again. I've had this for nearly four weeks now, this, this studio. Getting annoyed with myself. Let's try and hear Father... Sheehy preaching last Sunday from St. Mary's Church in Listowel 
And somebody called Shane McAuliffe tweeted this on Twitter saying, This video from St. Mary's Church in Estowell is absolutely shocking. It's not really shocking. It's, it's Christianity, is it? What is so sad today is you rarely hear about sin, but it's rampant. It's rampant. And we see it, for example, in the legislation of our governments. We see it in the promotion of abortion. We see it, for example, in the, in the example of this lunatic approach of transgenderism. We see it, for example, in the promotion of sex between two men or two women. That is sinful. That is mortal sin. And people don't seem to realize it. But it's a fact. It's a reality. And we need to listen to God about it. Because if we don't, then there's no hope for those people. Are we sure this is Father Frank Sheehy and not former Manchester United midfielder Roy Keane? And so God is also telling you and me today, look, you have a responsibility to seek out those who are lost. You have a responsibility to call people to an awareness of the fact that sin is destructive. Sin is detrimental. And sin will lead us to hell. When we, when we honor the saints on the first of this coming month, we honor people who are saints. Why are they saints? Because they repented and because they sought forgiveness. As somebody said one time, he heaven is full of converted sinners. And so today God says to us, I have come to call sinners. But if you don't admit you're a sinner, then you're not listening to my call and I can't do anything for you because it's a two-way street. Now there are people you see who won't like to hear what I'm saying. But the day you die, you will find out that what I'm saying is not what I invented. It's not what I came up with. It's what God is saying. And the day you die, you will find out that is the truth. Our prayer for people is that you, it won't be too late for people. But how will people know that God wants to forgive them if we don't tell them? How will people who are lost be found if we, as God's people, don't call them and say, look, God loves you. He has come to call sinners, but he wants you to have life and have it to the full. Because that's what he wants. He wants you to live life to the fullest. But since he's the author of life, we can only live it through, with, and in his grace, through the power of his spirit. Listen. I don't agree that sex between two men or two women is sinful because I don't share Father Sheehy's beliefs. But he's entitled to his beliefs. His beliefs are obviously sincerely held. Millions and millions of people around the world agree with him. His beliefs derive directly from, um, from his faith and from the central text, I suppose, that um, looms over his faith, that is the Holy Bible, the, the Word of God. He believes it. There's nothing wrong with it. He should be entitled to express it. But apparently not in Ireland, because as Jean-Anne was telling me, not just on national radio, but local radio station phone-ins were filled to the brim with people saying that this is shocking, transphobic, homophobic nonsense, and the man has no business teaching or preaching or saying Mass in, in any church and all the rest of that garbage. Um, it's important, this stuff, isn't it? It's important that when somebody is attacked in the manner that he's been attacked in Ireland, by the way. It seems he's been under fire for the last two or three days. That whether you agree with the man or not, you stand up for his right to express what it is and his right to his religious beliefs, which are human rights. And I don't want to sound like I'm preaching because I'm not preaching. And I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, 
currying favour. If you've listened to me long enough, you'll know that I have absolutely no problem whatsoever with same-sex relationships. None. But um, spooky, the um, not just on Twitter, but in the Irish media. I mean, how, how could they possibly be surprised by this? He's a Catholic priest. Christians, not just Christians, Muslims. Can't really speak for Judaism because I don't know an awful lot about it. But they believe, it's an inherent belief, that same-sex, um, that, that, that homosexual sex is wrong and it's a sin. They believe that abortion is a sin. Are they not supposed to say it? When they, when they gather to worship on a Sunday? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, God knows they can't say it anywhere else, right? You say it anywhere else and you're cancelled. And now they're saying that they can't even say it in Mass on a Sunday? I, I, I have several gay friends and I can I, I, they won't mind me speaking on their behalf. They wouldn't put up with this. Anywho, great catch by, by Gene Ann. Interesting guy. We might try and get him on the programme, Father Sheehy. See if he come on for a chat. But then... You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be attacking his beliefs. And I can't have a theological discussion with anyone because I, I'm not smart enough to do that. I've not, I've not well read enough on theology to be having a go at a priest or a rabbi or an imam. So I just generally try to avoid that stuff. I wish my, my, my old mentor, Billy McCarthy, who was gay, was alive because he left. He was a priest, Billy. He left the priest, but he couldn't reconcile the fact that he was a gay man with being a priest. So he did the decent thing and he left and he got into the media and he became a very good journalist. And um, he was brilliant at arguing, not arguing, but debating theological interpretations of biblical texts, if I can put it like that, of, of, of religious texts, excuse me. He was great at debating interpretation of religious texts. And as his producer, I took great joy in finding very well-spoken, very articulate people who had points of view about religion that Billy wouldn't have agreed with, and I would put them on, and it would be great radio. Um, Father Sheehy, Sean Sheehy, has every right to say what he said at uh, his pulpit, or the stand-in pulpit, on Sunday in Listowel, and it is repugnant that the media has gone for him in the way that it has. It really is. Journalists, imagine people describing themselves as journalists, working so hard to silence opinions uh, they don't approve of. Isn't it just staggering? It never ceases to amaze me. Anyway, I'm going to shut up and we're going to move on. Very briefly, a Channel 4 study has found that Generation Z is a, is a less tolerant generation than the generations that went before them, okay? So basically, Generation Z is a demographic term for people born, let's say, late 90s, 97, up to around about 2012, 2013. If you were born in that time period, they give you the label Generation Z. Now, the survey found that people aged between 13 and 24 could be considered less liberal than earlier generations and less tolerant of the views of others. And they they quoted a guy called Alex Mahan, who's the chief executive of Channel 4, and he says that this group of people, the Generation Z, doesn't believe, does not believe in unrestrained free speech, and they are more censorious than their elders were. 
when it comes to removing offensive material. And they think, the Generation Z people, they think they're doing it in support of people who are vulnerable. That's very interesting. This is a government invention of recent years. Disempower people by labelling them as vulnerable groups. Take their power away from them. Take ownership of them by labelling labeling them as vulnerable. Right? We've talked about this too many times. Young people see these vulnerable groups and, you know, believe in censoring and cancelling as a means to protecting the so-called vulnerable. And I'm giving up, really, frowning on Generation Z. And, and, and I'm a bit ashamed of myself, because I, I spent a lot of time on this programme over the years laughing at younger people. When really I shouldn't have been doing that. The Generation Z, as described, 1997, born between 97 and 2012, or what, or whatever, probably the most psychologically attacked generation. Or am I wrong to to say that? Maybe if we get time to take calls later on, you might take me on on that. But no generation, I mean, this is the generation of social media, of TikTok, of Instagram, of Twitter to a lesser extent. No generation has been as poisoned by the establishment as this generation. And I feel a bit sorry for them. It's a case for me now, I think, of Forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't know any better. Running around trying to get everybody with whom they disagree disappeared. You know, it's a terrifying thing on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's kind of understandable when you think of the psychological manipulation they've undergone this particular generation. So no surprise, as the Channel 4 survey finds, this generation is a bit censorious and a bit illiberal. Uh, Back to Matt Hancock, the hapless former UK health secretary. Um, You might know that he's agreed to go on ITV's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, hosted by Ant and Dick, a pair of little bollockses from Newcastle, um, who seem to be on every programme ever made. They're on the telly all the time. Um, It's a show where they take celebrities, and here we use the term loosely, it's usually people who haven't done very much for for some time. One or two controversial people. They bring them to Australia, drop them in a jungle, and get them to perform tasks for in return for food and stuff like that. The tasks are usually disgusting. They ask them to dive into snake pits and eat all sorts of disgusting things, kangaroo testicles and all of that. I hope you are not currently tucking into your tea. They say tea here in England. The English are mad, aren't they? You know, breakfast, dinner and tea. Have you had your tea yet? What the fuck does that mean? There's there's breakfast, lunch and dinner for the rest of the world. Breakfast, 7 o'clock, in my case, a little bit later. I'm up at half five, but a little bit later. Um, breakfast, lunch and dinner, yeah. Lunch, midday, sometime between midday and 1.30. And then dinner, 5.30, 6 o'clock. During the week, dinner becomes a different thing at the weekend if you go to a restaurant. Where did the English get tea from? Have you had your tea? He's having his tea. What the fuck is that all about? Anyway, let's leave that. So Matt Hancock, hundreds of thousands of signatures have been sent into a petition to get ITV to overturn their decision to invite him on and to kick him off. It got a little bit heated on Loose Women today. A Loose Women is an ITV show which is styled, I think, on The View from American television. Correct me if I'm wrong, maybe Loose Women predates The View. I could be wrong. Anyway, Denise Welsh, 
who was um, has been very locked down sceptical in the last couple of years. She's an actress, Denise Welch, and a panellist on Loose Women. She's not very fond of Matt Hancock at all, at all, at all. And there are people who were not allowed to see their family for a year. Remember, it was illegal to get yeah. in your car yeah. and go and visit a loved one. Even when, even when we had the vaccines that were supposed to free us, masks were working, we had tests. So we could say, I will do a test before I go and visit my dad who is lonely in his house. No, whilst he was having an affair with some woman in the broom closet or wherever he was. So, he was. So, and while, and while, while the government from day one of this yeah. were carrying on in Downing Street, what about yeah. if, if we weren't supposed to even pick up a book off a bookshelf in those ridiculous yeah. listen, times when the books listen, were listen, banned listen, and stuff? We haven't got long on this, so I know that you, you have an issue with government policy during lockdown. With Matt Hancock's policy, we've he was at the forefront we've, of it. We've discussed that a lot. But, He's not a but celebrity. what is your problem? Ah, so that, that's what I wanted to get to the nitty-gritty of. So your, your anger in this particular instance is that he's... Using I don't care position. whether he's a politician or whether whoever he is. Right. He was the health secretary of this country. And he's going to go in there and pretend that he's Mr Nice Guy. And what annoys me is that if one person... I tell you what, I've never, ever envied people going in the jungle. I love the show mm. and I'm a huge viewer. But I'd go in there for now for one hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you could cover all you've got to say in one hour, Well, I'd give it a damn good try. But he, he, he's a mm, she'd give it a damn good try anymore. Backbench MP now, he's no longer in the cabinet. His argument is that by going into the jungle, he can connect with it's a younger audience, he can, he can, you know, spread the word about um, dyslexia. Oh, which shut is, uh, up, which is, oh, um... Matt Hancock. Not you, him. <laughs> Thank you. Linda, what do you think I about think he's it? in for a big shock. This is Linda Robson from Birds of a Feather. Big shock. And I think he's the reason that a lot more people are going to be watching I'm a Celebrity yeah. this year, because yeah. you know that every trial, they're going to vote for him to do every trial. Yeah, yeah. And if he tells... It's vaudeville, though, isn't it? Isn't it just crazy vaudevillian nonsense, isn't it? This notion of him going in there on that show. It's gaslighting people on so many levels. One of his um, aides put out a statement today that borderline... Bo it, ridiculous didn't cover it. And said that he would be able to handle urgent constituency business while in a jungle in Australia. Um, it's a bit crazy. I don't know what to do, whether to take a tune or to move on, because there are a few more things I'd like to talk about before uh, I open. I am going to open the phone. Listen, I'm going to remind you, at some stage between now and seven, I'm going to open the Skype and the telephone line. Here's the deal I'm going to make with you. Um, call me and keep me interested. <laughs> <laughs> and as long as you do that, I'll stay on the air. So you determine how long I stay on air this evening. Look, my tongue is in my cheek, right? If you phoned me since I've been back, don't phone me today. Let somebody else have a chance. I'd like to hear from you. I'm going to give you the contact details right now before I move on and do another bloody story. Uh, it's the Richie Allen Show, by the way. You happen to be listening to live from Solver. <laughs> 
It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Okay, so if I do know you, but you haven't been on since I've been back, you're welcome to come on. But if you've been on in the last couple of weeks, don't phone me. That's why these phone-ins are so great. We're not like other shows where you get the same people calling in all the time. We don't do that. So so do that in around about 15, 20 minutes. We'll have a bit of crack. You might want to talk about Liz Stoll. Listen, let me read a couple of comments. John Heffernan, who did phone in recently. John is in Listowel. It's his local church. He said, Richie, when Father Sheehy gave his sermon, some people did get up and walk out, but some people sat and clapped. So there was a bit of a mixed reaction there. Craig says, in my opinion, an attack on Generation Z ignores the generation before who should have been teaching them better and providing more stable role models. That is a fair point. That's a good argument. You could say that too. Yes, I've been musing, I've been pondering this. Listen, I don't mock. When it comes to, you know, I, I do occasionally meet younger folk out and about with the dog. I don't think, I don't think any less of them. I don't laugh at them. On the show, I've had a pop at them because of their, you know, insistence. Not all of them, of course. Again, you see, here we are. Not all of them, but on some of them, insisting that things they don't like be obliterated, not just from their view, but from everybody's view. But I've begun to rethink that. It's not their bloody fault. They're being attacked morning, noon and night. And it's getting worse. They're moving into the primary schools now, going after them when they're six, seven, eight years of age. I mean, Generation Z didn't have that. If you were born in 1997, you didn't have that. You know, they weren't forcing relationships and sex education on you in primary school in the early noughties. So Generation Z have avoided that. But but there's another generation, and they have to put up with that. And I'm beginning to feel sorry for them. Not pitying them, they don't need my pity, but feeling sorry for them. It's just I remember going to university, you know. I mean, the idea that you would ban a speaker who had been invited because that speaker might offend some group of people or other. I mean, this that was unthinkable. It would never have been suggested. And the person who suggested it would have been laughed out of town. Jean-Anne and myself had a chat one morning about this. We were laughing. Jean-Anne went to university herself, of course. And uh, Jean-Anne says to me, you know... If somebody was coming to address students and if they were a bit controversial and maybe they were a bit right-wing maybe or maybe very far left-wing, maybe they had opinions about stuff, you couldn't wait to go to get stuck in. And when the time came, yes, well, we're going to the audience now over here. I've got something to say. Now it's a case of get rid of them. Um, again, they're not all like that, but some of them. Now, Rob says, Richie, I work in the electrical distribution industry and I can see no end of problems if these blackouts go ahead. The majority of the cables in the ground are 60 to 70 years old and will not stand up to being completely de-energised and re-energised. 
there will be faults all over the network which will take weeks to repair. We see it often when a high voltage cable is repaired. It is tested at a much higher voltage than it runs at and that process usually causes another fault in a weaker part of the network. It isn't as simple as turning it off and on again, but obviously the more pain and misery will be the desired effect. Well, Carlsberg doesn't do chilling messages to the Richie Allen show, Rob. But if Carlsberg did, they couldn't beat that. Thanks for that. That's a really interesting message that Rob works in the distribution industry, electrical distribution. He says the cables are ancient. They won't stand up to it. Off and on, energised, re-energised, heated, cooled down. It'll cause more problems and you might have longer blackouts, says Rob. Thanks, Rob. Wow. Sam says, definitely stress is the biggest cause of death. Pot is the counter to that, he says. Says Sam, uh, signed, yours truly, blue buds, blue, pure bloods even, will inherit the world or be hunted down, he says. Pot, how old-fashioned of you. Cannabis, he means, yes. Hi to Annette Allison. Hi Annette Richie. I don't think they want Christmas lights. They're trying to destroy Christianity. They want to usher in something uh, known as a one word religion, says Annette. Thank you, Annette. Yes. <laughs> and Diane Hughes. That's Diane who was on the programme before. Diane's a bit of a genius. This is great. Diane, who, to set this gag up properly, Diane is a transsexual woman, gave a great interview to, to, to this programme a couple of years ago. Diane says, Father, she, he, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's right, his name is Father, she, he. But brilliant, Diane. Father, she, he, talking about transgenderism. Very, very good. Tell you what I'll do. I'll take another tune. When we come back, a little bit about migration, and probably that will be enough from me. And then I'll throw it over to you. Here's Barry Manilow greatest life performer the world has ever known the envy of Bonio Mick Jagger and David Bowie often to be found in Manchester at the AO Arena in the city centre is Barry anyway drive time it is 11 minutes to 6 o'clock the Richie Allen show live from Salford Copacabana back with more in 4 minutes Barry Manilow and Copacabana on the Richie Allen Show. It's uh, seven and a half minutes to the top of the air. I had this message from Marie Louise at quarter past five. I genuinely can't remember what I was saying at quarter past five because the monologue is a riff. I've got some clips as I, I, I play some audio inserts during the monologue, but I, I, I don't remember the things I say. But I must have said something really bad. This is genuine from Marie Louise. I've never heard a more nasty, racist man in my life. Your hatred must be eating you up inside. What a pathetic little man you are, Marie Louise. What did I say? Was it the squaw thing, was it? Billy Gates calling Rishi Sunak a squaw. It's a joke, Marie. Marie Louise. It's a joke. Do you understand humour? Did you get that joke? Billy Gates wouldn't know the difference between a Native American and a real Indian. So Billy Gates being a racist, and I, I don't know if he is, it's a joke, you see. Might call him a squaw, you see. But I tell you what, if you think I am racist, just for the crack, contact the Metropolitan Police, give them the example of racism and report me. The problem is, Marie-Louise, the Metropolitan Police 
have got their own problems with racism and hatred and misogyny. I don't know if you're paying attention to the news, so you won't get very far. What did I say at 13 minutes past five to prompt such an invective laden email? Anyway, thanks for listening, Marie-Louise. Forgive me for I know not what I do. And uh, truthfully, I don't have a racist bone in my body. How could I have? I'm black and I'm proud. It's um, five minutes or thereabouts to the top of the hour. What was I going to do now? I was going to do one more story and then go to the old dog and bone and give you the chance to keep the show on the air. That's how we're going to do it. Um, You phone up and you talk to me and we keep the show going till nearly seven o'clock, nearly seven o'clock, seven o'clock. You don't and I'll carry on talking and then I'll just do one. Listen, um, surveys are everywhere about COVID restrictions. This is true. Put COVID restrictions and survey in a search engine and you will see that a number of surveys have reported back in recent days. And all of them seem to indicate that people would like the restrictions to return this winter. Don't shout at me. I'm not saying I believe them. I don't know whether a large body of people in this country would be delighted with restrictions coming back. I don't know. I like to think they wouldn't, but you just don't know. So there are lots of surveys about this. Um, Speaking about this, a worried, a pretty worried Professor Carl Hennigan. He, uh, the Professor of Evidence-Based Medicine at Oxford University. Hennigan, as usual, was talking to Julia Hartley Brewer, who seems to have a monopoly on the attention of Carl Hennigan. I think this, this YouGov poll suffers from selection bias. I think there's a group of people here who don't represent the population at large, so it's misrepresentative. But second is, there's another survey called Flu Survey, which suggests about 30% of people have no contacts outside their household in a week. And I suspect these are the sort of people who are sat at home filling in these surveys. These are all, you know, YouGov does online service. I mean, that's very, very sad. And what was interesting, even at the height of, uh, of, of lockdown, we had polls about what people wanted. Do you want you know, restrictions to continue? And, and there was always a stubborn 20% who wanted every restriction to continue. And I remember one poll really memorably, you know, do you want, do you want restrictions on nightclubs and, uh, and pubs to continue and, and closure of nightclubs and, and, and mass events to continue, um, you know, for another week, another month, another year, forever. And 20 20% repeatedly would say forever. There are an awful lot of people who just don't want any, they don't want to have any fun themselves, they don't want to see other people and they don't want anyone else to either. So I think there's an important point. If you want to wear a mask, you can wear a mask. Nobody's stopping you doing yeah. that. But there seems to be a perception that there's a, this is about controlling other people. And that's concerning to me. I want you to do this because I'm having to do it well as well. And that, for me, is an important point which has happened throughout this pandemic. If you want to do something, you can do it. But I think more concerning here is there are some people believe there are no costs or restrictions. And if, if what we should be talking about now is the £50 billion lockdown tax that we're about to have to all pay. Yep. And it's a direct consequence of the last two years of the significant spend that's occurred and the supply chain disruptions. And as a consequence of that, there's a huge deficit to pay. So if we have any more restrictions, it will cost us in the economy. It will cost us in our mental health and our well-being. And just to add as well, about 15% of people are currently reporting they're having a cough or a fever in a week. The vast majority of that 
is not COVID, exactly. and COVID isn't the problem anymore. Yeah. We, I mean, exactly. Well, look, COVID, COVID is still killing people. We have excess deaths at the current time, and half of those excess deaths are people who are COVID positive. Now, a lot of those people will be people who are in hospital, who've therefore been tested for COVID, um, and uh, you're not routinely tested in lots of hospitals for COVID anymore, though, but not necessarily being treated for COVID. Yes, they're not being treated for COVID. They're in hospital for something else, and they get a test while they're in there, Julia. We know this. And the testing system is very unreliable anyway, throwing up false positives in many cases. So they're adding cases of people who are in hospital because they have liver failure or diabetes that's confining them to hospital. They're testing them and then saying, oh, we've got a thousand people in hospital with COVID. No, you don't. No, you do not. It's all a lie. Now, it's exactly 90 seconds to the top of the hour. I was going to do something on immigration, migration, but I won't. I'll leave it. I'm going to throw things over to you, your good self, and and we're going to play a game today. We won't always do this. I mean, we'll do plenty of real phone-ins, but today we're going to play a game called Keep Richie on the Air till 7 (laughs) o'clock. And entertain me. Entertain. Ter F and ten me. I want entertainment from you today. I want some opinions for on, on anything. Okay, we can talk about anything. But listen, I suppose it's probably good to keep it to some of the things we discussed this evening. And if you've never called in, please call in. Um, if I heard from you recently, don't. Um, if you 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 you, you if you've been on last back in the spring or the early summer, do feel free to get in touch. But let's try and move it along as well. Now, listen to me. Let's try and move it along. Three or four minutes and then we'll get somebody else on. We'll give somebody else a chance. Shall I give you the contact details for the Richie Allen Show? Live in Salford. Here we go. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Couldn't be simpler. I expect to hear from you. My name is Richie Allen. It's six o'clock exactly this day, the 2nd of November 2022. It's the BBG, not the BBC the world's most listened to independent news radio show that is an absolute fact this is chris ria and a song called let's dance two minutes after six chris ria let's dance thank you for your calls there coming in that's lovely caller welcome to the program who am i speaking with it's polo baby is it carl no, Paul, Paul O'Grady. Hello. For fuck's sake, what are you like? Then? Hello, Paul O'Grady. You're not the Paul O'Grady, are you? Obviously not. No, Welcome, I'm Paul. You've got, to be, you've got to obey, Richie. That's the thing. What have I got to obey? Tell me. Well, we've got to obey the whole narrative that they're giving out. And Matt Hancock, if his hand was on my arse, I'd tell him what to do. I'd probably knock him out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what are you like? Maybe. I, 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 maybe. I do apologise, Richard. Maybe um, Mike Tyndall. Maybe Mike Tyndall will knock him out. <laughs> but it's it's a crazy world we're living in. As, as and John, what have you got to say to Richie? John, you know me and Yoko love you, and we always <laughs> listen to you, even though I'm dead. You know what I'm saying? From in beyond the, the grave. 
from beyond the grave. Wouldn't it be nice, though? Apparently, there's a journalist going in there um, whose name escapes me, Charlotte something or other, and apparently she doesn't like Hancock, and the, the hope is that she's going to take him on. But these programmes are recorded and heavily edited. Nothing is going to get out, really, is it, from the jungle? You're so right, Richard. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Thank you very and much. Even though, even though I'm a scouser. Do you know what I mean? I haven't signed on today. I'm not going to get me <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? God be I've with the days of signing on the UB40. <laughs> God be with the days of... Right, enough of the messing. What's going on then? It's one big well, charade, right? Yeah, the thing is though, Richard, we, we, why can we see it? Is it our pineal gland? What's going on? Some people can see it, and then walls are thrown up by other people. I don't know. It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? Even though you might plant a seed or just say something, and himself, uh, you like, you know, obviously I've got the Irish background as well. You know, we know you. We'll have you. You know, it's like it's crazy. It's like it's like it it is absolutely. Um, totalitarian footstep as your old mate David Ikims. Let's let's stay with the pineal gland. I mean, maybe there's something in that. Maybe years and years of processed foods, maybe years and years of geoengineering and maybe, for some people, years of drinking fluoridated water have left them physically, not even mentally, but physically incapable of understanding what's going on. Maybe. Yeah, Richard, I actually believe it, that that is absolutely correct. Although some people may, you know, have a, a connection whereby, you know, they're not really maligned by this. But you're absolutely right. Through the foods. And then the UK wants to fluoridate all the water. Yeah, that's right. And you're like, wow, Rich, why? Because yeah. they care about your teeth. You can't even get it. You can't even get an appointment with a dentist. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we care so much about your teeth that you cannot get to see your dentist. That's right, yeah. It's Absolutely. insane. Vaudeville. Oh, Rich, just a quick one. Can I say a big big hello to the to, to the Viking over there in Altrincham himself? Um, lovely guy, loves you. And he's a Man United supporter. Even though I love LFC. Good man. No, Frank, you can <laughs> No. <laughs> so, well, big, you, had a, you had a very good win last well. night. <laughs> no. Uh, it was decent, but, um, you know, Jürgen, maybe um, he may have to go at some point. <laughs> no, he'll be all right. I like Jürgen. Well. He's very likeable, this I guy, know. Jürgen, isn't he? Um, no, me too, as well. Him, and did you, you say, know, did you say it's Frank? In, did you say it's Frank in Altrincham, did you? Yeah, it's Frank. Well, I'm, I'm sometimes in Knoxford in the high peak as well, and uh, I have to mask my accent wherever I go. Because otherwise <laughs> you think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rob the You're going to rob them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the old stereotypes, you see. You see, you, you wouldn't take offence at that. I mean, if you went to, if you were in a boozer with, with United fans and, 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 yeah. and Spurs fans, and you're throwing that sort of banter around, you just laugh at it, but, but others I wouldn't. I love it, yeah, yeah. I love them. And my brother's sisters you know, that's what it is and um, we don't want that we don't want that to go it's free speech um and you know common law and everything else it's so simple rich yeah and uh, we need to keep hold of it and it's peaceful if you like demonstration and connection tribal back to where we were you know what i'm saying great way to kick <laughs> off the uh, phone in frank thanks very much buddy great to chat with you thanks rich big love man and you too, mate. Thanks for that. Great call that. You can call me on 0161818 
or Skype chat with Richie. That won't cost you anything if you're connected to the internet. I look forward to hearing from you. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who have I got? Aidan, Richie. Aidan Watford. Aidan Watford. It's been ages, pal. It might even be a couple of years. Lovely to hear from you again. How are things? Um, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, considering. Hanging yeah, yeah. in there. Good, Hanging thanks. in there. Yeah, I just, um, I think for me, it's uh, obviously, it's um, like most people, you know, clearly um, things are completely bonkers and they're getting even more bonkers by the day. But I, I, I think for me, I, I look at, um, again, taking on what you said the other day about <clears throat> the boatloads of migrants arriving on our shores, you know, daily, blah, blah, blah. My life isn't perfect, but I look at people like that and I go, you know what? It could be a lot worse because obviously, you know, um, we know they're mainly, you know, sort of uh, fit young lads. But obviously in amongst them, you've got women and children. And yeah. sort of, I, I look at that and I go, again, it's a typical thing for a lot of people. I look at that and I go, what would it take for you to get in a boat with your kids and go across the channel? Do you know what I mean? Great point, so, Aid. And just, just to point out that this year alone, while 2,500 have come from Albania, you've also yeah. had a couple of thousand come from Iraq, you've had a couple of thousand come from Afghanistan, you've had 1,200 come from Syria. Now, these are countries that the UK had a massive hand in destroying and destabilising. So, so they're not all young, able-bodied men from Albania. And I'll say something else about that, and I'll get accused now of being a... Uh, you know, a wokest liberal, although I'm the furthest thing from that. I would go anywhere in the world. I don't believe Mark Collett when he said to me last night that he wouldn't take his partner if his financial circumstances were dire, that he wouldn't take her and go someplace where he knew he'd have work and he knew he'd have, um, you know, stability and prospects. Now, it might be unfair of me to say that because he's not here now, but I did say to him last night, I don't believe him. I mean, I, I, I get that guys would say things are a bit better in the UK, Healthcare seems to be a bit better. I'll have more of a chance over there. So sod it. I'm going to hop on a boat and try and get to the UK. Listen, it has catastrophic consequences for people in this country because access to healthcare, access to good homes. I know that. But these guys are not the enemy, in my opinion. Aid, go ahead. I, I totally agree with exactly what you just said there. And obviously, um, you know, I, I was just pointing out a lot. You know, I think it's, I don't know what the figures are. But obviously, if, if we follow the lamestream media and their coverage of it, it appears to be mainly, you know, young lads between 20 and 30. And most of them look like they haven't got anything wrong with them. That said, you're right. There are in amongst all of that. I'm, I mean, slap me now. OK, I should have known better. But I was sat there a couple of, over the last couple of days doing a few bits and pieces. And I thought, you know what, uh, you know, don't strangle me. Uh, shows like Jeremy Vine, Talk TV, you know, they have their pseudo discussions on there. And I thought, hell, I'll just phone them up. And I think um, uh, I basically phoned up. They were talking about uh, migrants and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I phoned up both shows and basically said, look, it's really simple. Um, these politicians appear to be in charge, but they're not. Their strings are pulled by the money men behind them you know, and the banks and the big companies, they're the one that drives the policies. And then obviously there's entities that we don't see at all. But that's basically how it works. Well said. And I said, 
you know, I'm just reiterating what most people with who've got half an eye open know already. And I know I'm stupid to phone these. Not stupid, but I was just not so frustrated. Phone, phone, well, you know, it's, I phoned them up and basically said, listen, it's really simple. First of all, the politicians are not in control. That's the first thing. And even if they were, you can't get a fag paper between them. And secondly, um, these people are not the enemy. The problem is you need our governments because it's nothing to do with the people in this country. Nothing. Right. Uh, Our our governments want to stop um, lying through their teeth and bombing, as you put it, the bejesus at these people's countries. And then also politically, you know, just going in there, destabilizing them. You've got the whole list across the Middle East, you know, Libya, Iraq, etc., Syria, Venezuela, da da da. They, that's what they need to do. And then these people wouldn't find they wouldn't have the need to come here. And no. obviously, as soon as I said that, that, you know, it was the usual drive of, oh, you know, it's, you're talking nonsense. And obviously they do that thing where they cut you off. Right. They cut you off. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and yeah. it's easy to and say I, it's easy to say nonsense without giving any explanation right. as to why you, 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 you are speaking nonsense. Oh, that's just nonsense. Yeah. Well, explain which part of it is nonsense. What, what don't you agree exactly. with? Yeah, you're absolutely I, I right. Sorry, go on, Richard. No, 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 I'm just, I'm just agreeing with you. You're bang on. Yeah, yeah I just basically, I mean, I knew what I was going to get, right? Because obviously we, it's predictable because essentially, I, I don't know how to put this, they're, they're, they, these programs and these sorts of media outlets are obviously part of the problem. And then obviously they had another one on climate change. And what the question was, what does Richie Sunak need to do something along the lines of to effect you know, real changes in, in, you know, in relation to climate change. And I phoned them up and they said, listen, it's really simple. You've got diddly squat uh, influence over the climate. That's it. That's the first starting point. The second point is you can affect weather, right? And that's, if you go back and do a little bit of history, most people know this, you'll know that there, I think it was the 60s or the 70s. I remember reading something about Certain governments agreeing not to use weather modification on each other. That's right. Form of war- right? Okay, that's there. So that was my point. You can't do mainly diddly squat about the climate, but there is weather. But they don't want to talk about that. And obviously, they, and obviously I said, it's really, I went to say, in, in terms of what's going on in this country now, what we need to do pragmatically is the first thing that we need to do is we need to talk to Putin. Right. To, and really talk to him, because as far as I understand it, people correct me. He the gas pipe, the gas lines are open. The problem is in mainland Europe, you've got all these lunatics pouring petrol on the fire who are refusing to take the gas. Right. That's how I understand it. There's no shortage of gas. There might be a little bit. But Putin said just the taps are open. All you've got to do is basically just turn the taps on. So it's a false uh, and, tr- and transfer the money. Result. Yeah, you're absolutely right. right. And and the other thing I went to say was just open. Put. I'm not saying let's get the military out, but I said think war footing in this country. We've got sky high prices. It's heat or eat, and apparently there's a food shortage. And we know most of this is manufactured. But I just basically said, look, open the bloody coal mines. Open it. Open them up. Get the military on it. Open the coal mines. So that basically this power issue is dealt with through this winter. Just go it, and, yeah. Right. And also, I said, if there's a food shortage, apparently a food shortage, which I believe, I don't know how much of it is manufactured, then do what Winston Churchill did. 
if there's a genuine shortage, just basically plant up every single park, green space with food, right? That's logical. And now is the time to do it, by the way. Um, I, 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 and now would be the time to do that. Am I right in saying that? I'm not a, I'm not a farmer, I'm not a gardener, but you'd be oh. planting. When would you be planting for next spring? You'd be planting soon, that. wouldn't you? Or am I wrong? I'm not a farmer. I, I'm Me just neither. saying, you know, I'm just, uh, just uh, I, would, I would say, plant now what grows now. Yes, and, and polytonics. And go, and go on that basis. Right? Yeah. That's it. That's how farmers... Uh, we get everything delivered by, you know, we can have strawberries in, in, at Christmas. It never used to be like that. So That's grow nice. what grows now, is my point. And then that is common sense approach, but I don't want to hear it. No, the you answers know, are very like simple, Aid. The answers are very, very simple, but once you start getting into them, they throw net zero at you, they, th- they throw yeah. 1.5 degrees warming, and we're all yeah. going to die. Listen, I'm going to move on to another call, mate. Okay. Um, if there's anything you want to say, just quickly before I do move on, now's the time to say it. Good to hear from you again, Aid. Yeah, good, good to speak to you, Richie. Glad to have you back. And uh, it's, I know you don't like people bigging you up, right? But in, in t- there, I know there are other radio stations out there, but you're a voice uh, of um, sanity in the sea of madness that goes on. I know you don't like it. I don't you know you don't like hearing that, but it's true. A lot of people gravitate towards your way of thinking because it's logical. So good to have you back. I'll let you go. You're very Goodbye. kind, Aid. Thanks, buddy. Good to hear from you. Aid in Watford there. Keep me on the air until seven o'clock. Entertain me. Uh, thanks to Aid there and Frank before him. It's coming up for 17 minutes past the hour. This, These are the contact details. It's up to you. It's over to you. You should be hearing the contact details now. Oh, be God. Huh? Huh? Imagine. You declare yourself to be professional. Let's try that again. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Give me a call then. Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases, a nuisance, but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C, and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. As a special launch offer to UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show, you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now and with free two day track delivery. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Welcome back. Looking forward to hearing from you while um, you're calling through. It's a chat with Richie, all one word on Skype, 0161818018. Call me. Uh, There's been a lot of comments on the website, though, and I can't neglect those. So I'm going to do those now while I line up a tune as well. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Um, Perksy says, Ed in Watford. Yes. Uh, Tony says, the government is paying farmers to retire and to rewild their land uh, instead of growing crops or farming animals. This is to ensure we are reliant on Europe for food. Um, the common agricultural policy, I did some... Stu- I did some... 
an analysis of that over the years on this programme. And it's the EU's common agricultural policy. That's where a lot of these ideas originated, you know, to take farmers off the land or to to basically... What's the word I'm looking for here now? Uh, there's a word. <laughs> decommission. You could say decommission, really. To decommission their land uh, in the name of rewilding and in the name of uh, dealing with, uh, you know, with climate change, which isn't happening. Climates change. Climates evolve and move and change. But um, anthropogenic climate change is a hoax. Not an opinion of mine. It is a hoax. It is very easy to disprove it, this uh, theory. Uh, Colin says the food and fuel shortages have been manufactured, he says. Yeah, I think he said that clearly, did aid. Lee says Cheatham Hill turned into one big train station. All young males, uh, the damage is done now. That's Lee who's presumably on or living on or near Cheatham Hill in North Manchester. Banjo says place a lamp in a doorway and light two rooms with one light. Voila, your quid's in. Yes, this is in preparation, not only for the blackouts, but, you know, learning how to to work with the ever-increasing energy bills. How do you keep your energy bills manageable? Well, Banjo says, lamp in a doorway, two light two rooms with one light, and your quid's in. Yes. I did hear on national radio today people talking about how they were preparing for the blackouts. It was all very boring, really. Just buy a big torch and some candles seemed to be the gist of it. Uh, utterly droll. Yes, lovely. Let me scroll right on down. Colin says, let's get Bernie on the air. It's been a while. Bernie in Liverpool. Yes, it has been a while. It's been quite a while. And uh, David says, put a bl- piece of black insulation tape on your front window, Richie. Then order a Chinese meal for delivery. When the Chinaman arrives with brown paper bag, give him a nice big wave with your outstretched right arm. Hopefully, from his perspective, the black tape will line up with your top lip, thus confirming to the delivery person that you are indeed a racist now, Father Alan. Do you remember that terrific episode of Father Ted where Ted made a joke with Dougal? He placed the lampshade over his head and used his fingers to narrow his eyes and did an impression of a Chinaman and the local Chinese people, neighbours, turned up and saw him doing it. Very, very good stuff. Very, very, very good stuff. I missed a lot of comments. Carla says, I think it's mean not to switch the Christmas lights on just because you might be struggling at home doesn't mean you want to perpetually wallow in misery. The Christmas lights bring joy. Communism's style of levelling up is never about raising others up. It seems to be all about bringing everybody down to meet at the lowest level. I hope the lights go on everywhere up and down the country this year. I think they probably will. I don't think they're going to listen in Oxford Street to this comedian on on the radio or on the telly. Um, Craig says, when haven't the new experimental young generation been attacked by the older generation and even the more conservative of their own generation? Hippies, punks, goths, emos, mods, rockers, 
D&D players all have been, that's Dungeons and Dragons presumably, all have been attacked, criticised and targeted at various times. Scruffy hair, hair too long or too short, satanic scares in the case of Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s. The list goes on and on. Even the flapper generation of the 1920s was attacked. Thank you, Craig. Where was there a scare around? Was there a satanic panic around Dungeons and Dragons? That is news to me. I didn't know that. I am aware there was a satanic panic in the 1980s, but was there? We had a satanic panic here, didn't we, a few years ago? Well, we didn't really have a satanic panic, but it, it was claimed that a school in Hampstead was involved in sacrificing babies and eating babies, killing them and eating them. Um, this was this was promoted by, I'm not going to get into it now, I'm not going to say, because you know who it is and I wouldn't give him the oxygen, but this was promoted by truthers uh, in this country, this notion that this was going on in Hampstead when, when it wasn't. Um, th- that was recent. But Dungeons and Dragons, now that is news to me. You learn something new every day. Very good. Very, very good. Mara says, um, I tuned into the show yesterday and I couldn't believe my ears. Richie screaming and shouting and swearing in his own inimitable style at his listeners who dared to question the existence of the COVID virus. Now, Mara, when we chat with one another, you and I, and the listeners and I, let's at least be honest about it. I didn't shout and swear and scream at anybody. I might have sworn, because I do sometimes, but I didn't scream and shout and swear at people. At my listeners, I identified one or two messages that I was a bit frustrated with. You know, the galactically stupid, who can't accept or accept that uh, the opinions they are expressing or espousing are just that, opinions. You see, there, there's always been an element of people who listen to shows like this who get really angry when the host, who they really like, because they listen to him or her day in, day out, suddenly takes a different point of view on a subject. For example, like whether the virus exists or not. And this doesn't do. They get really pissed off. And rather than accept that we can exist, mutually exist in this world, we can sit side by side with differing opinions and respect the fact that others see things differently than us. They don't. They get very angry and very aggressive. And funnily enough, when you, as the host or anybody else, it doesn't have to be a radio host, when you get a little bit aggressive back and tell them to fuck off, that you see it as you see it, not because you are some shill. And it's always made me laugh this, you know, with the independent media. You're brilliant. You're fantastic. Well done, Richie. You interviewed all these people. Bakhti. You had Kuldorf. All these people. Dolores. You're brilliant, Richie. And then you say something they don't like or they disagree with. And then you become a shill. Ah, it couldn't be his genuine opinion. He must be a shill. Mara, I didn't scream or shout or swear at anybody yesterday. I tried to give a little bit of education to one or two people. That might be incredibly arrogant of me. That's for you to decide. But I've been around a long time. I'm a communicator, a producer and a journalist. I know how to get the best out of people. When you want them to consider something, 
You don't get the best out of them by telling them that they're wrong, that this doesn't exist, that that doesn't exist, nothing exists. Um, you don't. You could get something out of them if you said to them, hey, listen, did you hear that there's a doctor and another doctor over there in America? And Jesus, there's one in Dublin. And they actually think that viruses themselves are not really a thing. What do you think of that? Jesus, I don't know, but it's worth looking into. I mean, these are doctors, right? It's worth having a look at anyway. That's how softly, softly catchy monkey. The screaming and the shouting is done by people who say things like, There's no virus! There's no COVID! And um, that's not good. But I'm not going to now descend into repeating the things I said last night. I'm not going to do that. So thank you for your message. But I didn't scream and shout at anybody. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi, You have the floor. Who am I talking to? You're talking to Graham here. Graham? Up in Keith Ness. Up in... Where, where, where are Keith you? Keith Ness. Where's that? It's up the top of Scotland. Oh, fantastic. You're you're as northern as it gets, Graham. Yeah, yeah, really far north, yeah. Up fantastic. Sounds lovely. Lovely to hear from you, mate. Thanks for phoning in. The floor is yours. What would you like to say? Well, there's been a fair bit of activity up here. The chemtrails. There's also been a few warships out in the first of the head of the Murray Firth. A lot of Ukrainians up here as well, Richie. Ukrainians? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, listen, I, I'm all ears. Ukrainians as far north as that. When you say a yeah. few, when you say a few, Graham, how many? Well, go down charity shops and places like Roundabout Wick and stuff like that, and there's quite a few people, Wick, Thurso, top of Scotland. There's quite a few Ukrainian voices, a lot of Ukrainian people kicking about. And I know where we are, we're really remote, and there's a very small village fairly close to us. And um, there's a few Ukrainian, a couple of Ukrainian, but I think it's three or four Ukrainian people moved in there, you know. And this and is now, this is since the, 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 the conflict, this is since the conflict yes, began. Yes. Right. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. And are they, so are they adapting? Are they, are they, are they, what's the word we use? Are they settling in? Well, I, I think they're, they're settling in, yeah. They, I've, I've heard some sort of strange stories about some of them. Some of them being um, not exactly all Ukrainian. Some other people coming from some other other parts of uh, that kind of area, but not Ukraine itself. You know, right, right. So uh, there, it seems a bit strange, and it's, it seems a bit unfair that there's local people up here that have been on the housing. I get you. So. This is impacting on housing waiting lists where you live. Yeah, so I think people, young people, the bloody line is just breaking up, um, Graham. This is really interesting too. I'm sorry about this. We're just, we're, we're, your, your line's a bit scratchy. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to phone you back. Um, so stay where you are. I'm going to phone you back immediately. And I think that might work. Um, this is interesting stuff, this, isn't it? As far north as that, you have Ukrainian refugees, and Graham says this is having an impact on locals there in terms of access to social housing. Let's see, can we get him back on the old dog and bone? 
Hopefully the line will be a bit better in the year of 2022. You shouldn't have bad lines. Graham, you're back. Yes, I'm back. Right, it's still a bit scratchy, but we're going to work through it anyway. So even as, okay. yeah, even as remotely, as remote as it is where you are, you can still yeah. have problems like that, like people on housing lists and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a great deal of sort of accommodation for uh, local people, you know. And then you get people coming in, and suddenly it just get. So things get worse because you 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 see people coming in. Um, these are Ukrainian refugees, and and you have an issue. I, I want to while we still have the line because the line is really bad. Um, and I don't want to dismiss that point. That's a very interesting point. He's gone now, you see. Yeah, the line is really bad. I hope we can get him back. We'll try him again in a second. He might go to a to to a location on the property with better signal. I have that issue with my own mobile phone. I don't care. I'm going to say who it is. My network is three. And I think they are shite. Now, you might ask, why have you not moved to another network? And that's a bloody good question. I should have done that by now. But I don't know why I haven't. But for some reason, not just in this house, which is very old, but indoors in general, I, I struggle to get a signal. And this is 2022. So I might change next uh, next time this contract is up, this business contract thing. Uh, if you'd like to call 0161-818-2018, it's chat with Richie on Skype. We're going to give Graham one more shot. And if we can't get a good line, we're going to have to say, you know, we're going to have to say... What a shame. And uh, and move right on. Let's see, can we get him back on the line? Graham, you're back. Hey, yes. You've got me again. <laughs> I've got you again, and it sounds a bit yeah, better. So very, I want you to... The signal up here is really bad. I can, I can imagine. You're so normal. I was, just, I was just saying, it's just as bloody bad here in Salford, depending on, on your network. But I wanted to ask you about the chemtrailing. This is really interesting. How often would you notice that, as far north as you are? Well, you notice it, but... Oh, probably a couple of times a week. A couple of times At a week? At least, you know. Yeah, where it was really obvious. Define really yeah. obvious now. Like, trails going right across the sky, going on for ages, you know. And then, another two or three. And then they... And you're thinking, you're thinking, who are they actually targeting here? <laughs> yeah, in you such know, a remote not, location. It's not a dense population or anything like that. You're thinking, what's going on there? And then the trails, they they kind of thin out and spread out, don't they? So you might have yeah, had a... eventually they sort of spread out and you get this sort of brownie tint to them. Yeah, and all of a sudden you have an overcast day when before yeah. it was sky blue, beautiful sky... You could see the sun. I see this happen so often here. And uh, yeah. trying to persuade people to, to take a look at it, you know, and, you know, again, in a yeah, non-dogmatic way. Mad. Yeah, they think you're mad, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but, they think, oh, yeah, it's just a paper trail. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's just a paper trail. It's just going to disappear. No, look up. Just stare at that for a while and just watch what actually happens. Yeah. And we know that yeah. we know the patents exist for this technology. They've existed for many yeah. years. It's all there, like yeah. The more I've looked into this, the more I've gone since nineteen sixty-two or something. Yeah, I think the patent was out. You know, and you're thinking, geez, what what are they actually spraying on us?" You know. Yeah, and what I don't mean I don't mean to be disrespectful in any way, but would you be seen then in your you know fairly quiet part of the world? Would you be seen as a bit of an oddball, a bit eccentric? 
Or would you keep yeah, your opinion? Pro- yeah, probably, cool. yeah. Probably seen as a bit eccentric. Yeah. I tend to keep sort of below the radar a bit, but it's only certain people that I think that are kind of awake. Yeah. Aware a wee bit or a bit more imaginative, not taking everything as gospel from the big box in the living room, you know? Yeah, yeah. What was it like up so there during it, the COVID nonsense, Graham? Oh, God, it, it was mad. You were getting people coming down, driving in their cars with their masks on and, <laughs> yeah, and coming back down the road and still got their mask on in their car, going up to the local post office and there's nobody about, you know? Yeah. And even now they're, they're masking up again. You're thinking, jeez, what what's going on? In terms of demographically, what sort of age... What what would be the average age now of of your village? What, would would it be a little bit older? The population. Well, there's a lot of incomers, a lot of people that have come up from uh, down in England and moved up here. I would say that uh, it's probably the older generation. It's probably well, I I myself am you know I'm sixty four years old you know. So yeah, it's probably fifty five upwards. Right. Predominantly. And they're wearing masks now. It's funny. And last a lot of people with a bit of money that. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm thinking, geez, you know. We're just in the supermarket today and we're thinking, it's accelerating again. There's people coming in with masks. There's more of them wearing the masks. And the bit is, some of them have got the mask down just on their mouth and, it's on, and you're thinking, what does, are you doing? You does, your, does your heart sink when you see it? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, I've got empathy with really older generation that actually um, believed the news and all the rest of it and they've been totally brainwashed in their 70s, 80s, you know, and you're thinking, God love them, they're, they're looking really unhealthy or looking really unwell and they've got this blue mask on, you know, and you're thinking, that's even restricting your breathing even more. That must be incredibly frustrating. You can see and that the mask... Thinking, yeah, you can see the mask is not doing them any good, but you know that if you try to engage them in a conversation, you might fall out with them, and you don't need that because it's a small place, and everybody yeah. needs to get on. I mean, that's a that's a bloody spot to be in, really. I imagine it's beautiful where you live, is it? It's very rugged. It's very exposed. It's very susceptible to weather, mental weather. <laughs> right. Some extremely high winds of sort of near the coast at the very tip of Scotland, you know, mainland. And it's, yeah, it can be mad. And are you born and bred, Graham? No, I actually moved up here from further south of Perthshire in Scotland and moved up here prior to COVID, you know, prior to all this stuff kicking off. Do you feel in a place like that that you're better off than if you were in a city? In terms of like when restrictions are coming back and lockdowns and stuff, are you better to be a bit more remote than you are in a city, do you think? Yeah, well, we kind of sort of had a feeling that some kind of shit fit in the van. Yeah. And we were thinking about this, my partner and I were thinking about this and we're thinking, yeah, well, we'd like to be a bit more self-sufficient and sort of looking after ourselves as best we can, you know, and, Places were not too the further north and more remote you are away from places. 
different story if you're in Perth, you're in Radio like that area of Scotland and sort of and just outside Inverness and that, the property prices are yeah. quite high, but the further away you go, the more room doctors and hospitals and stuff like that. And let me ask you just before the, just before I move on, is it you and the wife? Yes. And how does the missus feel about all of this? Oh, well, luckily enough, we're both on the, the same wavelength. I don't think any of us could have handled uh, not being on the same wavelength as each other in this kind of scenario just now. Like, so we're both totally bouncing ideas off each other. We know what's going on. We've got, we're both aware of both. Yeah, it's uh, changed times. Our realities have changed. Our perception on our life, previous life, is it's now totally different. Totally <laughs> different, yeah. Totally. Well, thank, yeah, thank uh, God that... Same as everybody else. I, I was just thinking, I, I mean, I, I thank God that, that my partner understands the way things are going and what's been happening. I can't imagine being in a relationship where one half of the partnership thinks that, you know, that you're just barking mad. I, I don't know how that could survive yeah. as we move I on. I don't know how anybody could handle that. That no. can't be a healthy relationship. That's what no. I think. I think that's, you've got to, uh, that would just do my nothing yeah. completely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would just do me in. Not to put Something uh, else I wanted to mention to you as well, Richie, was the fact that, did you see the stuff on the news about uh, Dundee in Scotland where the youths were firing fireworks at the police and stuff? Yes, I, this was, they talked about this on Radio 5 Live yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, that, that a gang of young lads attacked the police when the police came to uh, presumably to tackle them about the fireworks and apparently fireworks were launched at the police and the police had to run. What was the truth? What was really going on there, Graham? Do you know? I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly what was really going on myself. Exactly. I, I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, the stuff like that goes on, right? But young lads just get a bit out of hand and all the rest of it. But up in Scotland, it's not usually the case that they start burning wheelie bins in the street and firing fireworks directly at the police. I think there's something more going on there than what's Anger, what's maybe. Portrayed. Anger. Yeah. Like genuine anger. anger. Yeah, yeah at, at what's been going anger on. anger about yeah. something else that's happening. Well, about everything that's happening. I think there's general anger there. Well, you, you're old. I'm old enough to remember. You're old enough to remember the riots in Salford, uh, the, the riots in Birmingham, Bradford, London. Yeah. I have a feeling... Yeah. Now, now, there are those who believe that some of these riots over the years, again, were like false flags, like they were stirred up uh, deliberately by the establishment. But I have a feeling that there is, I, I see it in Salford, young men particularly, something could kick off, Graham, pretty soon, big time. I think that's just the start of something yeah. kicking off, because usually the Scots are really quite reserved, you know, when they do kick off, when they finally get, angry enough to know what's really going on. Things are going to get bad, you know, but just now I think this is just a wee bit of a taste of things. What might come, come, you know. While yeah. while we've gotten away, I'm, I'm I'm going to move on. I'm so glad we got the line right because that was a, a brilliant call, mate. I mean that. Thanks for calling well, in, Graham. I appreciate everything you do, Richie, and you've kept us seen up your We've been listening to you since the start of all this, you know. You're very kind. What's what, what's the missus's name, Graham? Jackie. If she's listening, Jackie, how are you? Hope you're well. 
and uh, wrap up warm up there. It's like the, the Arctic Circle, really, as far as I'm concerned. Up there. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit brass, man. But lovely, <laughs> lo- lovely to hear from you, Graham. And uh, right, oh, good oh, to talk to you. Right? And you I hope we talk again. Talk to somebody else. You're you're a gentleman. Thank you, Graham. Graham there in in the furthest um, farthest reaches of uh, the north of Scotland and uh, and Jackie, his wife, uh, best of luck to you this winter. It's uh, 17 minutes to the top of the hour. Lovely calls. Uh, thank you. Uh, there's time for more. It's chat with Richie, all one word. It is 0161818 But sure, I might as well play the bloody jingle, you know. Sure, we paid enough money for the bloody things. And there are lots of messages, so I will read those when I come back as well, lest you have a go at me for, uh, well, for neglecting the messages, which I'm not going to do. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Chris and Emma, but I think it's Chris. Richie, we, we're in a small village in Northumberland and we saw a lady today in a car on her own, driving, wearing a mask. We forget that the government frightened the shite out of the vast majority of the population. That's true. This is the thing. It is true. Let's not forget that. For me, my abiding memory of the first lockdown was running through Media City where this was the first lockdown where everything was locked down but Media City was still running, ITV, the BBC, right, was seeing very young people in turn, some of them, and some of them would have been very young reporters and producers and, and, and whatnot, cycling around Media City wearing masks. Yes, I remember it well. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? That's you. Welcome. Hello. Hello. You're, you're live on air. Hi. Who am I talking to? This is Ray from Edinburgh. Hello, Ray in Edinburgh. Lovely to hear from you, pal. Over to you. Uh, sorry, I'm driving, Richie. It's very, very uh, windy, stormy and all the rest of it, but I'm enjoying the show. Um, I, just, I wanted to talk about carbon credits. Go ahead, Ray. Okay. Absolutely, pal. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I saw a sort of parallel because I was, I was uh, reading something and they talked about uh, carbon credits and they were talking about you know how they came about and all the rest of it. And it's just very unsettling and I can see parallels in, in history. And what I mean is that in the, the 12th century, a church might have a relic, and that relic might be, you know, the fingernail of John the Baptist or something. And people would flock to that church and pay money because they were in the same room as the fingernail of John the Baptist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then the church down the road would have a piece of wood and they'd say, no, this is a piece of the true cross. Yes. And then everyone, and everyone would rush to that church and give them money. And, the, you know, there was enough wood around from the true cross to make about 40 crosses. <laughs> but, but the Catholic Church kind of got a hold of this. And from a money-making point of view, it was very, very lucrative. And then what they started to do in the 12th, uh, sorry, the 13th and 14th century was they started to uh, provide what was called indulgences. And an indulgence was effectively a piece of paper that you could get from a bishop or a priest that you paid money for, and it effectively forgave you for all your sins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. indulgences. You can have a look at it. You look it up. 
And these indulgences were uh, horrendously abused by the, the, obviously, the landed gentry. And it became this, you know, it was a commercial enterprise. And the Catholic Church made so much money out of it that they virtually bought up all the land and became one of the richest organizations in the world. And I think there are parallels today with, with that same scenario, with carbon credits. And if you look at Al Gore, who in the year 2000, because of some uh, mixed up chads, didn't win the election and then went on to promote climate change, or, or in those days it wasn't called climate change, it was called something else. And he told us that the ice caps would be gone, etc., etc. Al Gore got heavily involved in carbon credits and has gone from a net worth of $10 million to a net worth of over $500 million. Has he and really? I, can't help think, I cannot help think that there's a parallel between the indulgences of the 14th century and the indulgences of the 21st century, which are carbon credits. That's brilliant, Ray. Uh, that is absolutely brilliant. That's a very appropriate analogy. Has he really accrued a fortune of half a billion dollars? Yeah, well, I have done a, a obviously, when I say do, do research, I've looked at, I've gone on to Google searches, I've gone to various other places, I've had a look. Yeah. And you can see there are some sites that say net worth, you know, they tell you what somebody's net worth is. And they vary wildly. Um, but the other thing about Al Gore uh, or Obama or Tony Blair or, or Boris Johnson or all of them, because as, as you say, they're all cheeks of the same arse. Uh, they all hide all their, their, their wealth and they hide where they get their money from in every conceivable way. So there's no way to tell with any absolute accuracy how much he's worth. But the figures vary from between 300 million to over 500 million. So I took the kind of medium figure. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just thought that was quite interesting how someone who goes on about climate change comes up with this fantastic idea to have climate credits or, or carbon credits. And I think the way the future is going to go is the future is going to be around how many carbon credits you can afford. And, and, and that's going to determine how you live your life. Can you drive today from you know, Edinburgh to London? Or can you get a train or can you get a plane? How many carbon credits have you got? Well, I don't have enough. Well, don't worry, there's a, an exchange you can go and you can buy some. You can buy a load of carbon credits and then lo and behold, you'll be able to take your journey and all will be well. Um, and I think that is just the sort of, it seems to me that that's the way this is all going. And Ray, if such a scenario came to be, would that be the final straw for people? Or something Melissa Shumay said to me on the programme, not last time, but the previous time, she said none of these steps they're taking, you know, in terms of COVID and lockdowns and restrictions and even the steps they're taking with the climate. None of them are reversible. Each one is here to stay. So so I think if we if we got to the stage where people were told travelling is prohibited unless you've got enough carbon credits, would that be the tipping point for people or would it just be too late by that stage? You know? No, I think it'll be I think it'll be too late by that stage. There's an Italian economist called Vilfredo Pareto and he came up with the eighty twenty concept that eighty percent of your money that you make in a business will come from twenty percent of your customers. 80% of your complaints will come from 20% of your customers. And I think we've seen it during the lockdown that virtually 80% of the population accepted whatever was being thrown at them, no matter how ridiculous it was. Yeah. And, and, and I think that the, 
you know, you know, Matt Hancock and all those, not him specifically, but because it was a worldwide thing. And I think he just did what he was told. But they must have been sitting there absolutely pissing themselves laughing at people going into a restaurant with a mask, sitting down, taking it off, getting up, <laughs> putting the mask on, going to the toilet, coming back, sitting yeah. down, taking it off. They must have just, it must have been like that, you know, that, that TV program, Practical Jokers, yes, where the yes. guys hide, hide behind the cameras <laughs> and they just piss themselves laughing when they see somebody doing something ridiculous. Another because, brilliant analogy. Another brilliant well, you know, analogy, you know, yeah. The, the, the powers that be, they don't need any money and they don't need any more power and they're just a bit bored, so they're just toying with things, I think. You know, they get their kick out of seeing how far they can push this. Yeah, look and, at what we can make and, them and do. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're in control and they want to be in control. And it's a bit like if you or I ran a factory and we had two or three hundred people working for us, we would want them to do what we told them. We wouldn't want them saying, actually, I don't like the way you're doing this. I'm going to do it my way. You would say, well, no, you're going to get sacked if you do that. You do it my way or it's the highway. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the powers that be want us to uh, go in a certain direction, which is definitely uh, CBDCs, the central bank digital currency, is definitely coming. There's no two ways about it. And that gives them an element of control that they must be absolutely wetting themselves over. Ray, I think, I, ho I hope I'm wrong, but I think if they manage to eliminate cash for good, that's the point where I think, this is the reason you see why I think we might be in for a fairly tough few decades then, humanity. I think there's a good chance, you know, some somewhere down the line, that it could be recovered. Maybe future generations can do something about it. But I think if they get rid of cash, Ray, I think my generation anyway, we're, I'm going to have to kind of learn how to live with it. I don't think we can stop it if cash is gone. Well, I, I think it's going to come in. It's going to, it'll be creeping precedent as usual. They're not going to get rid of cash overnight. Yeah. It's probably going to take something like 10 years, I would imagine. Um, a lot of people say, you know, I hear people saying, oh, it'll be much quicker than that. I don't think it will, actually. I think there will be a bit of resistance because people like the idea of cash. And I think when, they, when, when it starts to filter through that, you know, hang on a minute here. So people can identify every single time I spend a pound, every single time I spend a euro. People not only know who spent it, but where I spent it. And then if, they, if I turn up at the checkout and I go to buy myself a, you know, a, a 500 grams of mints or something and I'm suddenly told actually you've, you've ex exceeded your red meat limit and you've, you know the, the sale won't go through you won't be able to put it back the, at the checkout it'll just be I'm sorry I can't scan this for, for some reason I think then it'll start to sink in and people are going to go well, hang on a minute here and they're going to look around for alternatives I don't mean alternatives to cash I mean alternative banking structure yeah. and I know that some very wide some very rich people are starting to put these things together already and there are places that you can go there are places you can learn a bit more about this and then there are places where you can get your own decentralized currency that is just not readily accepted yet but it will become readily accepted it's a bit like you know bitcoin bitcoin will really take off when somebody starts paying their staff with bitcoin that's when it will really take off because you can, there are certain places where you can, you can't use it. You can get a Bitcoin card, and you can, you can if you wish, pay in Bitcoin. It's just too unstable at the moment for it to be generally accepted. But once there are other uh, currencies around, 
that are decentralized and are more stable, then I think that will become the alternative. And so you'll have three sources of, or three ways to spend. You'll have the centralized digital banking, which will probably become uh, compulsory. You will still have cash, and then you can have the other decentralized currency. And then sooner or later, one of them will start to, uh, to dominate. And it could be the decentralized one, could be. But it depends how far and how fast they want to push this. Brilliant call, Ray. I'm just about to um, fall off air, as they say in the trade. Absolutely brilliant call. Thanks for phoning in, buddy. Lovely to meet you. You're welcome. And I hope we talk again. I mean that. Drive safely, by the way. Ray in Edinburgh. Really, really interesting call there. All the subjects, the points he touched on there, the carbon credit system. Um, Hugely interesting. Um, and we're going to be getting into these things in great detail in the coming weeks uh, throughout the winter. We really are. You know, I'll be talking to people about the alternatives, if there are alternatives, as Ray was talking about there, uh, to these systems. And listen, thanks to those of you who phoned in and got through. I really appreciate it. It was fun. And you kept me on the air until seven o'clock, which was tongue in cheek. I was staying on anyway. But um, that was fun. I am going to be doing proper phone-ins, of course, where I'll be flagging them up, giving you plenty of notice, um, so that um, give you know to give you time to give you some some notice so that you'll be able to plan for the phone-ins uh, to get on and have your say. The phone-ins are brilliant. We love the phone-ins. So thanks to everybody who phoned in. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for listening. That two hours flew by for me. I don't know about you. Closing out the programme today with Bruce the Boss Springsteen. You will allow me a little indulgence. Look after yourselves and one another. David Vance is among the guests on Thursday's programme. I have no doubt you'll join me tomorrow at five o'clock. Until then... Look after yourselves and one another. This is Badlands from the Boss. Bye.